We're going to continue our series in, uh, in Men and Women of the Bible. Today we're going to talk about Jesus. So if you want to turn your Bible with us, it'll be in Hebrews 4.15. Hebrews 4.15. Hebrews 4.15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Hallelujah, that's a good word. And I'm just going to read that verse in Korean for my sake. 히브리서 4장 15절입니다. 우리에게 있는 대제사장은 우리의 연약함을 동정하지 못하는 이가 아니요. 모든 일에 우리와 똑같이 시험을 받으신 이로되 죄는 없으시니라. 할렐루야. I know that's the same hallelujah Korean and English. It's kind of like you're like I I got that pastor. I got that. Yeah. Love that. Let's let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank you for family. We thank you for this season of gratitude. And most of all, we are really grateful for you because you're compassionate. You're a good father. You're a good savior. You're a good high priest. You're good everything. You're better everything. And that's what we're going to study today. We're grateful for that, Lord Jesus. Open our eyes so we may not only hear but see you in our spiritual lives. Just almost see what you're saying in this passage. Open our ears so we may hear not only the speaker or the words, but your voice, because that's why we're here today. We want to hear from you, Father. And when you speak, everything changes. That's what we want, Lord. Open our minds so we may be able to understand. And not only that, open our hearts so that we would believe what you revealed to us, Lord. We love you. We thank you for your presence. It is in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Family, Christ, Jesus Christ himself, is compassionate. Whenever we are weak. In our weaknesses, he's compassionate. He doesn't look at our weaknesses and he's, I'm mad at you. Come on. He's not impatient with us. He's not annoyed with our weaknesses. But whenever he sees us in our moments of weaknesses, what he feels and sees and expresses is compassion. Like any good parent would do, that's what he does. He goes, I feel compassion for you. You're having a moment of weakness. And I love you. I have compassion for you. I'm going to read that verse one more time. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. In our weaknesses, he has compassion for us. About two months ago, uh, me, my wife, and HB and our staff and a bunch of us here at Grace and actually the Korean church as well, we went to visit and serve South Africa. We went to the havens there and uh, maybe a lot of you know the Webbs, amazing ministers of the gospel. They don't only serve the orphans and the fatherless there, but they disciple them. They're loved. They're well taken care of. So we got to visit the orphanages down there, and we got to meet with the fatherless, the children who have been abused. Some of them are 4, 6, 10, maybe 12, entering teenage years. They've been neglected. They've been abused, some. But amazing children. We got to love on them. Um, One of our team members was a guy named Jacob, and I think he's listening online because I asked him if it's okay for me to share his story. Uh, Me and my wife, we got to disciple him through his teenage years. He moved to the States when he was really little, and right after he came, the parents separated, and the father basically said, I'm going to, I have, for the rest of your life, I probably won't be able to father you. Broke his heart. He became fatherless all of a sudden in a foreign country. And when he was in middle school, 
his mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. And soon after, his mother passed away as well. Got to walk that with him, and it was heartbreaking. It is still heartbreaking to just talk about that. I shared that story and that young man with you because he was in South Africa. Now, this guy is, he's very capable. He comes from good money. He's tall. He's smart. He's a very type A kind of person. He gets things done. But he wasn't most known for his compassionateness. He's not really compassionate with people. He's like, let's get things done. That's what he's kind of for. Um, But when he went to South Africa and he spent a good 10 days with those children, something started to stir within him. He grew up. He knows what it feels to be fatherless. He knows what it's like to have those lonely and dark nights. He knows the, the void and the emptiness that you can feel without that care and covering over you. So when he spent time with them, the guy who wasn't known for compassionate, I saw him being one of the most compassionate persons to these children. And you know people come from sometimes tough backgrounds and they don't show the best character even as a child. And that's okay because that's part of the journey. So some of us might, not, might get impatient with the children, but this guy, Jacob, was extremely patient with them. He was compassionate towards them. At the end of the trip, he stood in front of them, and he was sharing this story that I just told you, and this is what he said. With tears streaming down his face, he said, I know what it feels like to be orphaned because I am one right now. But the God the Father has made me his son, and I know that for sure, and he's going to make you the same as sons and daughters of God, and because of that, you and I will be family for the rest of our lives and forever for eternity. I love that. And his words minister to the children in a very special way. His embraces, his patience reached out to them in a deeper way than the rest of us can. He had compassion for those moments of weaknesses. He was patient with them. He understood not only what appears, not only their actions, not the appearances, but why. The fears and the struggles and the anxieties that they go through. And he felt it because he knew it and he has compassion. He had compassion for it. Jesus Christ does the same for us. He knows the temptations that you go through. He knows the struggles and the anxieties and sleepless nights that you just went through. He went through that, and he's saying, I know you, I know what that feels like, and I have compassion for you. The word here, sympathize, sympatheo in Greek, really is not just sympathy, but if you look up and dig the word deeper and deeper into Greek dictionary, this is what you'll find. Not only to feel sympathy, but have compassion, to have a guttural, visceral feeling towards that person. It's a deep word. It's not head word it's not a heady word but rather a feeling saying you know what the innermost part hurts for you that's what this word means and that's what jesus your lord does for you in your moments of weakness he's not annoyed he's not annoyed he's not mad at you when you're tempted when you're struggling with that temptation should i should i not he's not going come on here he goes again here she goes again Mm -mm. he doesn't do that he goes I feel for you I know you're weak right now I want to help you I want to help you I have compassion for you I was doing some research and it is said that when new toddlers are starting to walk for the first time they fall 69 times 
an hour. And when they become two years old, 38 times a day. See, nothing's wrong with your kid. It's just, that's just normal. They fall. And if I say nothing's wrong with you when you fall, Christians. When you start work, walking as a new toddler 69 times an hour, yeah, that's kind of the average. Two years into, you know, Christian life, Okay, 17 times, that's okay. And you know, as a parent, you would never look at your toddler trying to walk, maybe a year old or two year old, and whenever she or he falls, you will never say, God, you're pathetic. Just get your life together. It's right, left, right, left. Why can't you get it together? You will never say that. If you do, you're a bad parent and you need more therapy than you think. So please come find us and be prayed over today. And may the Lord heal your children as well, right? And you know my heart. You know what I'm saying. You never look at them, but you cheer them on. And if they're about to fall, you would catch them and say, you know what? I know you're trying. You took one more step. Oh, that first step, I am so proud of you. You made it. Oh, you might have fallen. You stood for 0.5 seconds, but I'm still proud of you. If you, as a parent who is evil, according to Luke 11, knows how to give good things to your children, God the Father, good Father. When he give you the Holy Spirit, says the Lord. So when you fall, when you stumble, when you're in that moment of weakness, oh, I don't know if I can make it, the Lord is saying, I know. And I have compassion for you. That's what makes him a good high priest, good savior. That's what loving means, means in this passage. Christ is compassionate in our weaknesses. If you take one thing from this morning, he is compassionate towards us in our moments of weaknesses. Let's go deeper into why and how he can do it. It is because he's compassionate in our weaknesses because he's able to understand. He's a high priest who's better than any high priest in this whole book of Hebrews because he is able to understand. Let's go back to the passage and study it a little, little further. This is interesting. This is what it says. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. This is what you call double negative. We, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize. And you're going like, this scripture has to be so complicated, double negative. Why? No, the same idea actually was presented in Hebrews 2.18. Very simply put. And it wasn't a double negative before. When you're putting in a double, double negative in this way, there's a reason why you do that. So when I was taking an English class, I think I was a ninth grader, the English teacher told me, you never use a double negative. It's wrong, grammatically wrong. So I looked up in the Urban Dictionary. I don't know if you know about Urban Dictionary. Double negative. Here we go. And this is what he said. The use of two negative words that create improper English. It is stupid, it is wrong. <laughs> example sentence. You know how dictionaries give that example sentence. Guy A, we don't need no education. Guy B, yes you do. You just use a, use a double negative. You do need an education. So double negative is something that we should never use supposedly. But it seems like Bible is using it. I know we're talking about different grammatical culture in, in, in the Koine Greek, and now I get it. But it, there's a purpose behind this double negative in the Bible. 
Because there are people who are saying, Jesus Christ is the high priest. Okay, I get it, but high priest, we always felt distant from the high priest anyway as a Jew now. Jesus Christ, ah, he feels distant from me and us anyway. So they kept saying, he's unable to. He's unable to understand us. He's unable to relate with us. That's why the author had to use a double negative to say, no, you do not have a high priest who is, who is not able to understand. He is able to understand. He's trying to get to the heart of the matter that you, actually you and I all have about Jesus Christ, who seems so distant. Oh, he is the son of God. He is the perfect one. But remember, he's not only 100% God, but he's 100% man. He was tempted in every way, just like you and I would be tempted right now. He's just sinless, which makes him perfect, the right and the perfect example for us to follow, which is a blessing. But it's not a distance that he keeps. That's the Pharisees. You know, I was preaching on prayer once, and I, this is the question that I asked. Hey, if you ever fell asleep in your private prayer, raise your hand. <laughs> oh, you did that for me. Thank you so much. Because so, so I, I was, and that's, that's what I do. I'll be praying. I'll say, Lord, thank you for your kingdom. Thank you for family. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for you give sleep to the beloved. Thank you, Lord, for the sleep that you give. And I'll just honor God and keep praying like nothing happened. And the Lord is going, oh, man, this guy. <laughs> and you know, like, oh, God, you're really creative. You made me, so you're really creative, right? So I was sharing with the, you know, whole congregation, saying, hey, raise your hand if you ever fall, fell asleep. And, and, you know, let me do a couple more, right? Raise your hand. If you ever, your mind just went everywhere and you, your mind was just jumbled up as you were meditating on the scripture. Raise your hand. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Raise your hand if you ever fell asleep during a worship service or sermon. <laughs> Raise your hand if you're sleeping right now. <laughs> no, don't. Just sleep. The Lord loves you. May the Lord bless you and restore you right now. May the renewal come upon you. Praise the Lord. Thank you for being here in the house of the Lord. Now I was sharing that and, and I was asking that question and Pastor Brett was sitting right there. And I'm, I'm not kind of not watching, but I'm watching. Is it, is, is it going up? Is it going up? And I know everyone else in the room is watching as well. And he goes, I did fall asleep in my prayer, and I said, Lord, thank you so much. Pastor Brad, thank you so much. You just freed something in all of us. <laughs> because, I mean, like, like, like most of you or a lot of you, I, you know, he's my spiritual father. I love him dearly, and I respect him, and I want to imitate him in everything he does as he imitates Christ, right? But I'm, like, looking at him going, like, I cannot do what he does. I don't think the guy sleeps, He's like up at 4 or 5 in the morning, and he goes, oh, man, the Lord walked me out last night. And I don't know, the ladders from the heaven came up, and he went up, and the angels came, and the smoke and the cloud came. I'm like, Pastor Brett, he never said that, by the way. That's my interpretation of what he's saying. I'm like, that never happens in my prayer life. I just go, that's what I do. So, And then he's like exercising every day. He's reading the Bible every day. And he's drink, drinking kombucha every day. He's eating his yogurt and blueberries every day. So he's eating healthy. I'm like, I can't do what he does. I don't, he still seems to have a special access to God, right? And then when he went like, I, I know, man, I feel the struggle. Something freed in all of us. I said, you know what? You're right. We all suffer. Hebrews 
that I just, the verse that I just referred to. And, and what the author is referring back to in, in this chapter 4 is this. Because he, Jesus himself, suffered. If you're taking notes, you've got to circle that word. Suffered when he was tempted. He wasn't just tempted. He suffered just like you are suffering whenever you're tempted. He knows what that feels like. He knows the pain and the struggles that you and I go through. He suffered when he was tempted. He's able to help those who are being tempted. Christ is not far. Luke 11, Jesus will say, you Pharisees, you religious people, you load people down with burdens that they can hardly carry, but you yourselves will not lift a finger to help them. That's a legalism mindset. But Jesus Christ, John 3, 13, no one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Jesus Christ is not a savior who goes, you know what, I'm like the high priest. I go into the Holy of Holies, I stay in the temple, and you guys are there in the world, right? I don't really understand what you go through, but I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to flick my forgiveness on you. Forgiveness, forgiveness. He doesn't do that. He's saying, I'm going to go to you. He was up in heaven, but he descended to where you and I are walking right now, this fallen world. So much more, he descended as a babe in the manger. So much more, full obedience, submission to the God, the Father, and even you and the authorities in that age. So much more to the cross as a sinner who was mocked and who was flogged till death. And so much more on the cross where death took him and he was descended even to Sheol to death. He kept descending so he could have compassion for you in a way that you and I would never imagine. He was tempted and he suffered, says the Lord. He's saying because of that, and hear me, sometimes us as Christians, we walk right and then we start to feel good, become self-righteous, and start to say, oh, I'm walking. My, oh, look at her. Look at him. It looks like they spent the night together. Oh, gosh, that is so, God, I'm walking right. No, no. You know, after walking right, what Jesus did was using that victory to feel compassion for people. Isn't that amazing? He's a God who says, you know, I'm going to descend, 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 tempted, suffer, suffer, suffer. The same way or even worse than all of us combined. And then he goes, I'm going to have a victory. I'm going to have a victory, Pastor Tiffany. And then with that, I'm going to have compassion on you. I'm not going to show off my victory, but I'm going to serve with my victory. That's the Savior and High Priest that we see in the passage. Yeah, let's worship God for that right now. Come on. Thank you, Lord. You're a good high priest. You are a good high priest. You're the best one. And one more step. He doesn't only understand. He's without sin. Let's finish the scripture. Yet tempted in every way, yet without sin. You know why Christ is the better and the best high priest? It's because he's without sin. Some young people would come to me and say, you know, pastors and ask questions like this. Hey, isn't Christianity one of the ways to climb the mountain of eternal life? You know, there's the Muslim and there's the, uh, you know, Buddhist and there are different ways. And, you know, you just need to find the right path, but everyone finds different path to get to the same mountain. You've heard that. You've heard that idea. And we'll, we'll say this. No, not, that's not true at all. Because our God is different in this way. He was 100% man, and you need to be 100% man because you need to die the death that you and I ought to die. 
If you're not a human, if you're not 100% man, you cannot die. You cannot pay for sin. You cannot be the sacrifice, the pure, the, the sacrifice that is that's deserving of the wrath of God. At the same time, he's 100% God who is sinless. You need both. You know, when I was uh, little and I was growing up at church, I said, and this is so stupid, but I'm just going to still share it with you anyway. I'll look at Jesus Christ being worshipped in the screen like, oh, everyone's worshipping Jesus. I'm like, what did he do? He died on the cross for others? Hmm, okay. It's not bad. I want people to worship me. I really thought this. I want people to worship me. So what if I die the death that he died, you know, and die on the cross for the rest of the people? Then would they worship me too? No, that would make me antichrist and really heresy, so that would not be cool. I'll make a really bad pastor at that point, right? And the pastor explained this to me as well. He said, no, you need to be sinless. Say you owe a billion dollars to someone, and then that someone comes to you. Say you have a friend who owes billion dollars to the same people, and they come to you and they say this, finally, you know, you got to pay up right now, or I, get, I just need to take your life. Pay with your, pay with your blood or, or pay the money. And I said, I don't have the money. And the guy says, my friend says, I don't have the money. But then I become really self-righteous and I say, I will die for him. And the guy will look at me, no, you can't because you owe me too. (laughs) What I'm saying is that's all of us. We owe God. All of us, we were born with sin. So every human being, doesn't matter who, you have sin. So you cannot pay for someone else's billion dollars or so much more. But Jesus Christ, who's 100% man, who's able to understand the suffering and the temptation of you and me, was 100% man, sinless, lived the perfect life, sinless life, and therefore, he's able to pay for all of us for eternity as well. That's what makes him the great high priest. Great high priest. Sinless. Sinless. So with that, where do we land? Hebrews 4, 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I underline in time of need in my study because why it is, this is just interesting. You know, whenever you and I need God the most, we don't go to him, but because we have sinful nature, we run away from him. We hide, which started in Genesis, didn't it, in the creation so when you have broken glasses all over the floor and spaghetti sauces, Pastor, I almost said Pastor Stephen, no, Pastor Corey, uh, spaghetti sauces on the floor, then, you know, it's a share story that he shared with us, with his kids, and you're making a big mess. You want to try to cover it up by yourself. You want to clean it up after you sin, after you messed up. No, actually, rather, that's when you need your parent the most, isn't it? You need that high priest the most, and you need to yell out, Mommy, Daddy, I messed up. And they will come to you. They'll love on you. They'll help you and say, hey, that, you cannot clean that by yourself. Let me help you. So whenever you need God, even this morning, if you feel like you're walking in from sin, if you don't know the Lord, please hear us. He's a good God. He has compassion for you right now this morning. And he's saying, don't try to clean up that mess by yourself because you can't. You're going to get cuts all over your hands. Let me help you because my hands are cut anyway. It was cut a long time ago. It, 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 I, I've been bleeding, I, I, I bled, and I, I, it is finished. Yeah. You, it, that work is done for you. You just need to receive. I have mercy for you right now. I want to give that mercy to you. I want you to feel it right now. And the Lord is saying, just receive and know that I am your God. 
Know that I am your high priest. Draw near. Wherever you're coming from, draw near to the Lord. Draw near to the Lord. One step further, what does that mean? I would love to kind of challenge you to study Hebrews 10 as well. That's the repetition, that theme of high priest that happened in chapter 2. Well, it's throughout the whole book, but 2 and then 4, and, and then really goes deep in, in 10 as well. And, and let, me, let me break this really profound truth that I, I feel like the Lord is giving in, in, in Hebrews 10. It says this, since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God. So drawing near, the same thing, with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, okay? The whole passage, Hebrews, is talking about rest. You know why you and I are not getting the rest that we need in our soul? It's because from this passage, it's because our conscience feels guilty. Therefore, your mind is divided. Study the passage. You don't enter rest. Vacations are great. But please hear me, family. We enter rest when we have the blood of Jesus Christ sprinkled on us. Because it is not, it is not the rest that you need from just work. It is the rest that you need from that guilty conscience that's trying to shame you, that's constantly shaming you and guilting you. And because of that, your mind and our mind is all over the place. We're divided and we're not finding peace and rest. But the Lord is saying, because I am the great high priest and I pay for everything, what you can do is sprinkle that blood all over your life. Not only when you get saved, but every day, every morning, every moment you need that freedom and rest and to sprinkle it over your conscience. And whenever I do that, whenever you do that, what I'm going to feel for you and what you're going to sense is the compassion and the love of the Father that descend from heaven. He's saying because of the sprinkling of the blood, your conscience will be free, and therefore you're going to have a single focused mindset, and out of that you'll find rest. That is the power of drawing near to Christ. That's what Sabbath is, this moment right here. I pray and I bless you, church, that you will have truth to Sabbath every Sunday. Where it's not a religious moment where you walk in and just worship Jesus, sing a few good songs, and, oh, man, Pastor Tiffany can really sing. Oh, and look at Pastor Corey or Pastor Stephen. He did a really good job, and come on, that's really good. And no, no, that's not what you and I do. You and I enter the rest of God and says, okay, everyone else in the world, they condemn me, they lead me to guilt and shame, but the Lord right now, even though I am tempted and even though I am weak, he feels compassion for me. I'm not guilty before him. I'm not shameful before him. He accepts me, loves me, moreover, has compassion, guttural, visceral compassion for me, even in this moment of weakness. In that church, you find rest. In that church, you find freedom. In that church, you find yourself to be who you are as God made you to be. Let's pray.